Hey, welcome to Healthy Conversations with Laredo Public Health. I'm your host, Jaime Perez. I'm your other host, Eli Seja. We hope you enjoy your time with us. Eli and I will bring you to the doorstep of public health in Laredo and help showcase the efforts toward a healthier community. So follow us all over social media at Laredo Health. Make sure you stay in tune with all of our newest episodes, and we hope you stick around. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Laredo Health Podcast, Healthy Conversations, here with uh, Chief Hurt today. We're, we're here to welcome also Dr. Chamberlain and Mr. Eliseo Sehai here with us today and bring you the, our fire chief, our Laredo fire chief, to, to our episode and, and explain an a emergency bit management job. coordinator. This is Dr. Chamberlain. Hello, everyone. So the first question to you, Chief, I know the heat has, has brought a lot of attention mm -hmm. to Laredo, right? And a lot of questions and concerns about safety. So what are some of the risks that come with the heat and, and your best advice toward Good morning toward and thank you for having me here. Um, we've always dealt with heat here in the city, but this year, every year, it seems to get hotter and hotter. More, more days over 100 degrees. Last year, I think we set a record for the most days over 99 days, over 99 degrees last year. Um, I don't have the oh. statistics, but I remember talking to the Corpus Christi office, NOAA. Um, it, it's a challenge. It's something that we would, it's, we will always say it's part of our culture or our environment. Uh, but in June and, and this month, July, we noticed a trend of having a more than the usual amount of heat-related emergency calls. And then it was brought to my attention by, by one of my EMS supervisors, EMS captains, that they noted that was, we had in a week and a half, we had a lot of uh, people pass away, unfortunately, dead on scene, and it was in hot environments. Uh, and then I know uh, our medical examiner mentioned that we did have more than uh, nine, nine heat-related deaths and those are the ones that we noticed too. We've, my knowledge, we've never had that. And that's why I feel it's more significant. A lot of the times we feel that because we're used to this weather, that we can cope with it. But the vulnerable population, the young, the elderly, or also the people that work outside um, sometimes take this for granted. Or um, we, one of the people that uh, was reported uh, that possibly is related to a heat related death was a. Uh, a 50 to 60 year old worker uh, that was uh, probably worked outside and probably because of the hot climate exacerbates some our underlying disease. So that's where we started. Uh, before that, we had already started tracking the numbers and we started having our um, open up the emergency operations center and working uh, as, as a community on um, giving messaging. That was the first thing. And then we started, we worked on the cooling centers. Um, I reached out to fellow uh, fire chiefs or uh, emergency management coordinators and the same efforts, what were they doing? It's, it's about the same. Uh, education is a big thing. And also uh, the cooling centers is a big thing. You see, and, and going back to that, I know Eli and I were talking about it when we were working on, on this because we, we eventually did partner up with you guys and, and started working on the campaign and stuff. And, you know, summer brings in our heritage you know, Mexicans, we Hispanics, carnasadas, gatherings, and all that fun stuff, you know. But when we do it in the summer, especially this summer that we're talking about, 
comes with consequences. And that's when I get where you're coming from about having to educate the public and, and getting the word out. Yeah, I can definitely say, um, and this is Dr. Chamberlain again, that as I mentioned a few short moments ago, Chief Hurd is also our emergency management coordinator for the city of Laredo. And he observed this as an emergency situation and called all of our departments from the city of Laredo to stand up an emergency operations within his emergency operations center at his um, fire administration location to start to strategize on how we were going to all come together, that unity and community to be able to combat the heat. Ultimately, we can't combat the heat, but what he did through his leadership was bring us all together, as he shared a few moments ago as well, implemented cooling centers, um, got of all of our public information officer teams together to make sure that messaging was going out, and then ultimately have that forward-facing conversation with the members of the community to advise them that this was a very, very um, significant situation that was going on because we don't normally have this type of heat, excessive heat, heat indices over 115 degrees Fahrenheit that early in our season. And we were observing that since the beginning of June, when we do know that the first day of summer is June 21st, and we were having excessive heat a lot further along or earlier in our calendar year. And we, as as, he, as Chief Herb just mentioned a few short moments ago too, um, we, we all know that we are used to this type of heat, but ultimately having those exposures outside for our vulnerable populations and especially for those who are working outside doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have that heat-related stress, stroke in that moment. It can come a couple of hours afterwards and that's, ulti and that's ultimately what he did um, share with us right now is that un uh, one, met one person of our community um, potentially could have it could have been prevented, but did um, unfortunately lose his life due to other comorbidities that we might not know of, but heat did play a factor. So I want to learn a little bit about what actually happens to the body whenever they're, they're um, struggling with, with uh, heat uh, uh, incidents. So I know that I, I was super astonished over the fact to learn that your body gets really cold before you have a heat stroke or, or uh, heat exhaustion. Can you kind of walk us through that? Oh, are you giving me card questions? <laughs> the physiology on the uh, I, the body is self-preservation, right? So it starts hunting uh, uh, different preservatory factors, and that's one of them. Is um, so it. it I want to get into the specifics of it because I probably would mess it up right now. But one of the factors that we look into is. We always ask a patient, is he sweating? And like once you stop sweating, that's when we start getting very concerned because that's when you're not able to produce that anymore. Sweating is a natural uh, protection uh, defense system that the body does in order to cool you off. So that that is something that the body does to help preserve, uh, help you protect you from the high heat. Uh, uh, rapid pulse, you start getting a rapid pulse, the blood pressure starts fluctuating, you start sweating. And, but when you start getting altered mental status, you, start, you stop sweating. Those are the factors that in a first responder we look at and we want to see if that person's having that type of emergency or signs and symptoms, that's when we're more concerned about it. That's when it becomes fatal. Yes. And, and then we need to rapidly cool the patient, but also not 
too rapid because they could have uh, negative effects too. Uh, we want to re- cool them down with uh, lukewarm water or uh, tap water, uh, the same temperature because even like that, that water is still cooler than what they were to the environment. We don't want to cool them down with ice water too because that also has a negative effect on it. Body. And I guess this this is where the the community engagement and and getting the word out with this information to the community is essential, right? To kind of put this into effect. Um, I don't know if we've had... Can, sorry, can you talk a little bit more like the prevention side, what you guys were actually doing? Was your team out there meeting? I mean, especially, I know that there was a lot of uh, connection with uh, community development to try to gather the folks downtown, perhaps folks homeless and, and, and them. So the community development is in charge of the homeless uh, advocacy uh, so one of the, th- they are vulnerable populations. So they have a team that already goes and advocates. So they were already giving them information and advising them about, about the high heat. Uh, also, it's important that you, un- we, we need to understand when you're thirsty, that means you, you've already passed the threshold. So you need, if you need to start hydrating way before that, a uh, simple way to know if you've been hydrating is, is you look at the color of your pee. It's supposed to be light yellowish to clear. Um, and, and that's a simple way of, of uh, assessing your hydration level. So the community, community um, was helping us uh, promote, or not promote, but educate the, our homeless population. Also, in downtown, we do have different uh, areas that have a high density of vulnerable populations. Uh, they are also well-connected with them. Also, they were um, giving them information, uh, assessing the area with our fire department to see if it was a livable condition, which we, it was. Uh, education, our fire department team, um, because we, the department also has emergency management, the assistant emergency management coordinator was also, we were meeting also, we were having also at the same time, two weeks ago and cur- and this week, we are going to have two tournaments, the Pony League tournament, which are two big um, tournaments that the city sponsors. Uh, it is a great venue to host uh, uh, Little League t- tournaments here, but speaking with the organizer um, and they've made changes on the recommendations of our team to make it safer for the kids. We did have a uh, first aid stations. We had a, a EMS detail out there. We had hydration stations. And for this week's tournament, we're also going to have, um, we're, uh, they changed the schedule in order to accommodate uh, early in the morning and late in the evening also, or late in the afternoon into the evening too. Um, we've been meeting regularly with them too, in order to provide the safest environment for their players the uh, their their workers and also their the family that's going to go see and make it a successful tournament. I think that's a, a a great subject to also push through a little bit more is that we are also very concerned in our city for our um, immediate population, but then we just had this amazing event that brought down you know persons from all over different parts of the United States, and we wanted to make sure that not only were was our population safe but that the populations that are visiting Laredo, that they're safe since, of course, they might be coming from, you know, far north. And they are definitely not used to this type of weather. And through Chief Herd's leadership, there was some feng shuiing of schedules that was very important to help minimize the contact that these individuals did have to our um, outdoor environment here in Laredo. But I thought that was a great point earlier, Chief, to um, mention about um, the simple color of your of your pee, of your urine, to be able to identify how hydrated you are. 
And that was one of the other methods that we took up and we wanted to, and that we shared with the members of the community that hydrating the day before, if you know you're going to spend all day outside, make sure to start drinking plenty of water the day before. So that way you know that you have that elevated state of um, being hydrated and that you continue drinking water throughout the day that you're outside. So actually that hydration period, all, I mean, um, for lack of, of, of more context, all of us should be drinking more water on a daily basis. Um, replace your, your, with your meals, it should be water as well coming from the health department. But drinking water as often as possible keeps you hydrated and then it also prepares you for any type of extreme weather events that you're going to be exposed to for recreation, for work, or simply sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen that day and you're going to be out for some, you know, for some random event. Yeah, and some people take that for granted because we don't, we're not thirsty, we don't drink water and we're inside, it's cold and we have a day planned out tomorrow and we just don't prepare for it well, you know. But Chief Heard, anything else that you would like for the community to know, like your biggest concern over this or, or something that you just want to let them know about heat prevention and, and the different type of just anything uh, you want to add? One of the important things is to go and watch... Um, up on the vulnerable population your elder your elderly relatives um also we are also in a state of water conservation too that's another big thing too okay. so we are currently in stage two and we're going to recommend to our mayor and city council to go to stage two because remember we only have one water source which is the river too so we're that's a other emergency but they are connected too uh, because there has been um uh, it's been very hot there's been more of a demand so, so they go hand in hand. We we had the water boil notice too, also too at the same time. So that that was a challenge in itself, having the heat um, emergency and the water boil at the same time. And we still we we managed and maneuvered through it, and we still were able to provide water to the to the affected communities too. Um, the biggest thing is I going back to your question, not to go off subject too much is. Okay, we can invite you for a next podcast <laughs> for another episode. Uh, like I mentioned to you, just check up on the a vulnerable population and, and then conserve water when you have to, too. If I can chime in on that, um, as you mentioned, I think that'll be another um, health cast for us to invite the director of utilities so we can be able to discuss that a little bit, uh, a little more in full regarding our water source. And what we're experiencing right now in our day and age does all reflect back on health, but how intricate the environment plays a role in where we were where we are at today this excessive heat is being experienced across all over the globe we are in a pattern of el nino right now which is increasing the temperatures in all of our communities and as we said earlier we are used to it but no one could ever get used to 120 degree weather day in and day out which ultimately plays a big effect on a person on our individual well-being but then on all the environmental resources that come along with ensuring that we are healthy like access to water so as chief heard mentioned and as our water conservation planner would also um, mention i'll give a shout out to miss vivian that it's important for us to conserve water to do our part because ultimately right now we know that there are plans for a secondary water source but we have to take care of our most precious re resource which keeps us healthy and going which is our rio grande yeah 
that's uh that's all we have for the heat prevention side now we're going to get to the fun side of the of the podcast and thank you guys for chiming in on everything but these are questions directed to you mr herd fire chief herd um so first question is what inspired you to pursue this career mm. i i was convinced to take the entrance exam in um i think um march of no i think november of 98 who convinced you uh friends uh about seven friends convinced me to take the test i had never thought about being a fireman to be honest uh i wanted to be an engineer yeah and then wow. uh when i came back from a&m because that's where i went to i i started working at a local hotel and, and, and my friends worked there they convinced me to take the test um and lo and behold i mean i i started learning what a fireman does and uh, i i was very interested and out of my seven friends i was the only one that got into the academy um and then uh i i got exposed to the being a firefighter and they also they certified being paramedic a paramedic also and i really enjoyed the medical aspect of it too this will bring the next question what do you enjoy most about your job now or you can you can break it up because i know now you're the fire chief you can break it up into three sections when you started the, the beginning uh, i and i can tell you it it all goes back to one thing i like helping people i like being a a a public servant. I mean, and I, I emphasize that when I talk to new promotees um, and when we talk to uh, new uh, cadets, uh, when we start hiring, public servants. And then the, the word itself is we're here to serve the public. It's, it's, not, for, it's not for gratitude. It's not for rewards. It's, it's because you have some type of fulfillment when you, you help your community. I love Laredo, born and raised here. So I feel I'm, I'm able to give something back to the community that's provided something to me and my family. Uh, and as I've grown yes. through my uh, career, there's different avenues that I can um, give back. As in, in the beginning, I was uh, on the ambulance and the fire truck and I was giving direct care, going to calls, uh, helping put out fires. And as I went up in the ranks, I was more um, helping. I was still providing direct care, but also uh, helping our, our uh, young firefighters lead them through the situations uh, of how to provide better care. And now being in an administration as a fire chief, I, I help direct the department and uh, what our mission and our vision is and, and to provide the best possible service for our community, both with the fire department and, and my second role as the emergency management coordinator, which I think encompasses actually a little bit more. Uh, but both both are at heart uh, public servants. Could I also throw in that um, just to advise all the listeners right now that Chief Heard is also an advanced practice registered nurse. Um, so he does have that capability in his back pocket to not only um, provide emergency medical support in that moment, but has the ability to treat primary care as well. So we have a very um, robust and talented fire chief that is a gift to the community no no uh i i i was uh like i mentioned when i became a paramedic i realized that i liked uh, the medical aspect of it and then I, I registered back to school and i've been a registered nurse since 2006 worked at the local wow. emergency i mean uh, intensive IC, the icu and uh and then in 2011 i became a nurse practitioner um and I, I believe that helped me as the emergency management coordinator during the COVID pandemic when we were side by side with, with Dr. Trevino too on uh, fighting the pandemic because I, I, 
I was able, I truly understood what the nurses were going through um, and the ICU since I, I worked there for six years. I, I still, I still, uh, I still see, I still practice. I, I, wow. I do love that aspect of it too. So, <laughs> Quite a resume. Been blessed. <laughs> Last question. What advice would you give somebody starting off at FIRE or pursuing oh. your career? First and foremost, most important advice I would say is why do they want to be a firefighter? Do it for the right reasons, not for the, not for the fringe benefits, not for the pay or the scheduling. Do it because um, that only takes you so far because in the middle of the night or after long, hard days, if you don't like what you do, it's not the right job for you and you're not going to provide the best service for the community. You don't want to work a day in your life because you want to love what you do. Great advice. Great advice. And um, to wrap up our, our podcast episode, we want to thank Dr. Richard Chamberlain, Chief Hurd, Eli and I. Um, thank you guys for listening and, and hope you guys tune in and keep following us. Thank you.